The purpose of this podcast is solely for patient education. It is not intended to evaluate, diagnose, treat, or cure disease. Views expressed are those of the podcasters and not their affiliate. Any medical questions or concerns should be addressed by the listener's physician or care provider. Listening to this podcast does not constitute a patient-physician relationship between the listener and the podcaster. We do hope the podcast can help enhance the listener's own medical experience. Welcome to this week's episode of Everything Your Doc Wants You to Know, but doesn't have time to tell you. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform about health matters affecting adults. From latest research updates to tips on navigating the health system and everything in between. Good to have you back. I'm Kirsten. And this is Lindsay. So we're just off of uh, the Thanksgiving holiday. How was your weekend? It was good. It was um, filled with, we didn't have a huge crowd for family, but a little bit of family and then had an opportunity to see some great friends over the weekend too, which is always fun and that's what the holidays are all about. So how about yourself, Lindsay? Right. We we had a smaller group than usual, but we had a good time nonetheless. And yeah, like you said, it's all about being with the people you care about. Exactly. Yeah. This week, we're going to talk about sinusitis. Yeah, this is um, a big topic, especially during the winter months. Um, so sinusitis is kind of the common cold um, that you get over the winter months, the majority of the time, where you have nasal congestion, so sinus pressure, you can have headaches, um, and it can make you feel miserable. Yeah, sinuses are the small air pockets in the bones of the face, so there are sinuses in your cheeks, sinuses in your forehead, um, a few other more obscure sinuses that we leave to our ENT doctors to take care of. But they can get inflamed very commonly and cause pain and other uncomfortable symptoms. And so we wanted to spend some time today talking about what these symptoms might be, when you need to do something about it, and what can you do without going into the clinic necessarily to help improve your symptoms. And these are the symptoms that we get often with just, a, like I said, a common cold. So that generally the common cold is a virus, a viral infection distinguishing that from a bacterial infection, which is something you need to get antibiotics to treat. But a viral infection is an infection that, uh, you know, we can get from being in contact with people who have the illness, who cough or sneeze on us, or who have touched their hands and shake our hand. Um, and so we can, it's easily spreadable between people, um, but is not a bacterial infection. And so with viral infections, there's really no benefit from antibiotic treatment. And today we'll talk about that in relation to sinuses and how, again, how we can tell if we can tell the difference between the two and when do people need to seek treatment. So common symptoms of a sinus infection or sinusitis, inflammation of the sinuses, are like Lindsay said, sinus pressure, so pressure in the face, pain in the face. Some people will have tooth pain. Usually people have runny nose, a runny nose, and sometimes it is a thick nasal drainage or nasal discharge, we call it. Blockage of the nasal passages, so you feel like you can't breathe through your nose. You can have ear pain because mm -hmm. of that. Um, Headaches can go along with mm -hmm. it as well. Less commonly, people will have fevers. Again, these are very common symptoms to have, especially during the winter months, but can occur year-round as well. And besides just bacteria and viruses, they can be caused by allergies. They can also be caused by fungus. And so it's um, sometimes challenging but important to sort out what the cause of your symptoms are when you're having these symptoms. Right, and I think the... 
the biggest thing is they can make you feel miserable and you want it to go away. And there's certain things we can do to help treat the symptoms, but very rarely can we do anything to treat the underlying problem, which is a virus. We don't have readily available antiviral medications for this type of infection. Right. And so symptoms, which include the things that we mentioned already, can be handled by various things. And usually what I'll tell my patients is, um, you know, a humidifier can help with that congestion. You can buy nasal saline rinses, either just nasal saline spray over the counter, or some people like to use a neti pot. When you do that, please don't use tap water. Um, but those things, rinsing your, your nose, nasal passages and sinuses can help clear out some of that congestion. I also recommend using a steroid nasal spray because that helps reduce some of that inflammation and that can help open the airways up. Guaifenesin is a medication that is studied and proposed to thin out secretions. So if you're noticing really thick, heavy secretions, you can try guaifenesin. I generally tell people not to take D, which is the decongestant part of it, because that actually can have some serious side effects on blood pressure and other things and can make symptoms worse when it wears off. So just regular guaifenesin. And oral antihistamines are also okay, such as loratadine, cetirizine, and fexofenadine. And again, all of, with all of those, I recommend avoiding the D because of potential side effects. Just the plain oral antihistamine would be fine. I think in addition, if you're still still struggling, the, the now over-the-counter nasal steroid sprays can be beneficial to use. And so I always say to do two sprays in each nostril in the morning of the nasal steroid um, and then do a nasal wash at bedtime uh, to help get you through. In addition to just, you know, plain Tylenol, if you get some of the headache pain and things like that, plain Tylenol in addition can help treat those symptoms. Right. So you're trying all of those things at home and things aren't getting better. How long do you wait? So the, the in the past, we've kind of said, you know, seven to 10 days is enough time to wait. And if things aren't improving, then come into the clinic. And then what, Lindsay? Oh, well, I think it's still hard to say because often um, these viral infections take more like, you know, four, six, eight weeks to really clear from your system. Um, And often we have, even after the virus is gone, we have our body's inflammatory response that still lingers on. And so we still would recommend the symptom management with with the same things we described at the beginning. Um, Very rarely, there was actually a recent study done where they actually took biopsies to prove whether these infections uh, were viral or bacterial, even after the 10-day mark. And it was very rare to have bacterial sinusitis even after the 10-day mark of symptoms. Right. So as a medical community, we've kind of set 10 days as the threshold for if it's not getting better at that point, it may be a bacterial infection and it may be time to think about antibiotics because clinically that means based on symptoms, it's very difficult, if not impossible, to distinguish between a bacterial infection or a viral infection unless we do take a sample or do a biopsy. Right. Green mucus does not mean bacterial infection. It just means the amount of time it's been stuck in your head. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. And things can be very colorful and still be just a viral infection. And um, when I say just, I don't mean that you're not going to feel miserable. You will still feel miserable, but antibiotics are not going to help. And so the the past um, 
again, guideline for us was wait 10 days. And then if people are not improving, treat with antibiotics. The more recent studies are really showing that, um, and these are studies with people either being treated with antibiotics or a placebo, which is just a fake pill or nothing. And only 5% of people in any of those benefited from receiving antibiotics. And when they did benefit, it was just shortening the infection by maybe a day or a day and a half compared to those who did not get antibiotics. So even if it's a bacterial infection, there's really not a lot of benefit from getting antibiotics. And we got to remember now all the information we're learning about what antibiotics do to our gut microbiome and and the side effects that we get from a round of antibiotics, which one course of antibiotics that let you know is a five-day antibiotic course, eliminates your good gut bacteria and it doesn't allow it to get back to the normal um, microbiome or the bacteria living in your um, intestines for over a year. It's a significant effect, not something to be taken lightly, in addition to the risk of other side effects from the antibiotics, which would be, you know, an allergic reaction, a rash, diarrhea, none of those fun things that um, infection. Yeah, that can happen when we take a course of antibiotics. And again, the benefit here is pretty low. This being said, we're only talking about, as usual, we're assuming kind of a healthy population. Right. People who have conditions that bring down their immune system are at higher risk of complications from a bacterial infection and so then would need to talk with their own clinician about when it would be time to start antibiotics, if and when. Right. So that's the reason. We're not out there to make you suffer from your sinus infection by not giving you antibiotics. We're actually recommending against them to protect you in the long run because, believe it or not... We as physicians actually, we care about you and we want to do what's right for you. Absolutely. And we're doing that based on lots of research that's available. We're trying to put that information together and make the best decision for your care. Uh, So do we have a health pearl to talk about today? Yeah, so I think because we're entering the holiday season or kind of into it now at this point, um, wanted to talk for a minute about just how do you avoid that you know holiday weight gain or the holiday slump that hits a lot of people when it comes to eating and getting out of exercise routines and things like that. Um, do you have any suggestions, Lindsay, and I can kind of jump in too? Sure, I think that's it's a difficult topic um, since our holiday traditions, most of them revolve around foods, and certainly my family is no different. Um, I make one dish that has is our cranberry dish, and it has marshmallows, sugar, and whipped cream. But I make it every year because it makes me think about my grandmother. Um, so I'll keep making it. And it's kind of like my dessert, um, but it's not healthy. Right. But I'll keep making it um, from tradition. And I think that, that that's okay. I know I don't want to eat a lot, and we don't want to have leftovers and we know that it's for special occasions because it, it reminds us of, of the lo- ones we love. Absolutely, yeah. We have recipes that have been t- passed down from great-grandparents, you know, for those Scandinavian treats like lefsa and krumkaka. And those are things, that, they're certainly not um, what we would consider healthy, but they're things that my family enjoys. And yeah, it's a holiday thing. We don't do it year-round, but um, certainly something that's going to be on our table. I think some, you know, ideas are to instill other traditions that are more active traditions around the holiday as well. So, um, you know, running a turkey trot if they have one in your town or, um, you know, having a 
a game of flag football or tag or just something to to be active at the same time. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, there's actually a family in my neighborhood that every Thanksgiving after their dinner, they're out um, in the field and they play probably for two or three hours. They're out there playing football, which I think is a fantastic way to burn off those extra calories. I think, yeah, doing other fun things. I was just on the phone with my sister and we talked about planning an ice skating or cross-country skiing day or probably both um, after we gather here. And I think uh, those things can be fun too. It doesn't just have to feel like exercise. Right. So I think you can you can indulge a little bit in those foods, hopefully in moderation and knowing if you listen to our, our past, past podcast about the blue zones, we talked about the 80% rule. So I think this is a good time to put it into practice would be to stop eating when you feel like you're only maybe 80% full and not go past that, which we're good at in America is just going way beyond full. Yeah. And I would say, you know, so you may have to give up that rule on for the big holiday meal, right? I mean, I'm definitely guilty of eating way more than I should for that holiday meal. But then I know the rest of the day or the day after, I'm going to cut back a little bit and just watch it. Right. So I think drinking a lot of water also helps because it keeps you full um, without adding calories. So that's another idea is to have a water bottle handy throughout the holiday gatherings. That's a great idea. Yeah. And I think, you know, just, just again, expecting that probably if you're having a big holiday meal that day is going to, if you're on a diet or you're on whatever that day, sure, maybe isn't what you would normally want it to be, but then know that you can get back on track and don't beat yourself up over it. Don't feel like, Oh no, I ate 500 extra calories. So now I have to burn exactly 500 extra calories. Try to just make it more fun and, you know, see how you can make the leftovers into a healthy salad or again, do something active that that day or the following day. I know a lot of groups, I know I've talked about the Peloton before, but they have a group that does a turkey burn. So the ride that day, you can do a live ride. It's called the turkey burn. And then the day after, um, it was the turkey burn the day of and the afterburn the day after for some fun rides around the holidays. That's a great idea. Yeah. And I think like um, local gyms and things also have those kinds of group things or if you do a workout on that holiday you get a little you know bonus or something yep so good idea to look for those things too other things that might help so that you don't feel you know crummy or really rotten the day after a holiday would be to just not go overboard with alcohol certainly that's a common um, part of many gatherings and that's fine but just know your limits and everything in moderation Right. And always getting a good amount of sleep helps with how we deal with the stresses of the holidays and dealing with those family members that uh, maybe take a little extra patience. I think every family has one or two, right? Right. Not mine, but not, not yeah. my note yeah. <laughs> either. That's right. Well, if you have any other suggestions about how to get through the holidays and how to keep them somewhat healthy, feel free to email us. We're at mail at everythingdoc.com. We'd love to share more ideas. You can also share on our Facebook or Twitter accounts. Yeah, and you can find our website. We're at www.everythingdoc.com. There you can link to any of our past episodes. Um, And again, send us messages through our page as well. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much for listening. Happy holidays. Bye-bye.